Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the 110th episode of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, here for another episode with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. I'm glad to be here. Oh, yeah. And uh, for those of you that are wondering, we are in Studio A today. That's right. The illustrious Studio A. We're ne- right next to our green room where we, we change and, and get ready and stuff like that. If you guys could see the lap of luxury we live in, you'd probably be questioning us and, you know, I don't know. Maybe The not. lap of luxury. <laughs> This is I mean, a multi-purpose it is, room. It is definitely a multi-purpose room. Yeah, it's my room. office. The, it's the the changing closet the changing for the dancers. Room for the dancers. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. at least we have a coffee maker. We've got a Keurig, it, and it's the it's Beitila Cafe. It is, and the Beitila Cafe. There's all the coffee pot and the <laughs> microwave and the refrigerator and my soup. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, great. We've considered doing this on video, but then we just think about the venue, and we're like, man, we got to change the venue if we're going to do it on video, you know? We're just working on audio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Audio's good. Yeah, no, audio's great. I so this it's the highest form of learning is listening, I think, isn't it? That's right. Or so is it smelling? Ah, uh, smelling. I've heard of smelling, yeah. Smelling is the highest form of Smell-a-vision. learning. Smell-a-vision. Wow. Smell-a-vision. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, those of you that listen on a regular basis, uh, I am waiting for... My, uh, what is it, the iTunes reviews. If you guys go and you listen on your iPhone and you have your iPhone in your hand right now, just go ahead, go ahead, think of what excuse it is that you have for not leaving us a review on iTunes. We want those iTunes reviews. We want them now. It bumps up our, our podcast on uh, overall podcasts and that will give us more people to listen to the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, CWTs. CW, more Christians with Torah. CWTs. We're going to come out with Torah. We're going to come out with like a rap song what for an CWT. Awesome, what's, what an awesome grassroots movement. Yeah. I know there's a bunch of CWTs out there listening. Uh, if you guys want to email me, it's ryan at twopraise.net. If you have questions, we need prayer, uh, need anything, you guys can also go to our website at twopraise.net for live streaming, uh, our services on Saturdays, and also to there's a donate button on there. We appreciate your donations. Uh, it helps us get all this done, helps us get here every week, week in and week out, and uh, and put the message out to the world and helps us grow the podcast, helps us advertise the podcast, helps us do things here in the community, so on and so forth. So this week... Without further ado, we are studying the Torah portion, Ve'et Hanan, which means, and I pleaded. It can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3 and verse 23, and ending in chapter 7 and verse 11. All right, so let's get reading here. I'm going to go ahead and read first. What? Yeah, we're going to be reading reading some verses here. So check this out. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servants thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, speak no more. And to me of this matter. Cut it out. Stop it. I didn't say that. It's not, you, I know. you added that. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward, and northward, and southward, and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. 
But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Beth Peor. So here we have it. Moses, uh, he asked God to let him go into the land, but he was not allowed to you go know, into the land. What no. I found interesting is, is right here, it says that, uh, but the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes. <laughs> he was supposed to speak to the rock. No, but it says right he here, it. for yours, it's not like he's talking to the rocks. He's talking to the people. He's yeah, he even the, said, Lord, these are your people. He's blaming the I've people. I've been there. I've yeah. been there. I think I was there last week. So, <laughs> but you know, Moses was instructed to encourage uh, Joshua to take the land. Uh, I want to bring a, a point here that needs to be made. It's the simple fact that, think about it. It's going to go from Levitical, from the Levites, Moses was a Levite, to Joshua, who's an Ephraimite. Now, I want you all to think about this who are listening that are not Jewish. God is looking for mature, responsible Gentiles coming out of the nations to help lead this thing, to help push this thing. So uh, consider that. Uh, you know, we can't wait for Judah. They're not going to, you know, just give us a, a red carpet treatment and all that. We, we've got to engage uh, this this little plot that's playing out and in, in our inheritance as well. And uh, just like I said, if you had to live anywhere, where would you want to live? If you could live anywhere, uh, I say Israel. So it, if God allows it, praise God. So we are making our way towards the land. You know, the Bible is very clear about the, the Gentiles coming out of the nations and coming alongside the Jewish people and helping them. We, we brought that up, I do believe, in the last podcast, um, that that's very important. Uh, and so as we even move on here, we can actually see where, uh, uh, what did God command Israel not to add or take away from? Uh, you want him to take, add or take away from the word. That's right. Deuteronomy 4, two, the word. You know, whenever you read your Bible, always take it literally first. Read your Bible, take it literally. Uh, and that's what the Jewish people do. When it says to put the word on the doorpost, they put it on the doorpost. Put it on your gates, put it on your gates. You know, I went by my... Uh, Nehemiah and Micah's bedroom, and, and, and I, I noticed it before, but I was reminded they have a mezuzah on their on their door, and uh, it's right there. So I thought it was interesting. You know, here are my kids uh, with, with an instruction or a commandment 3,500 years ago. They put their own mezuzah up on their bedroom door. I said, that's pretty cool. Wow. So, uh, so here's a good question that we can discuss. Why is it important to believe every word of the Bible and to live it, Ryan? You know, it's interesting because uh, we were talking about this last night and how different people have different ideas about the Bible, right? So we all have the same word, you know, the same word of God. And we say that we believe it, but different people, when they say believe, uh, that that word can kind of mean different things. And so that's where the live it part comes in. You could say you believe something, but where's the evidence? Demons believe. Right, 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 yeah. right exactly. And, and not even to that extent. I think that, you know, different denominations look at the Bible as allegory, or they look at it as a literal, right? Some look at it as, at this word is, is literally the truth, um, and then other people look at it as a lit- there's literary elements to it. Um, I think there's probably a balanced approach to reading the Bible. But then the question is, what is the right balance, and, and so on and so forth. So the, that's where the live it piece comes in. There, there's certain things that are in the Bible that God has given us a charge of, 
And it's important that we do them. Here, here's a, a quote. So we bumped down uh, from chapter four, verses six and seven. It says, keep therefore and do them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? In verse eight. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as this law which I set before you this day? And so, you know, there's an important distinction between the governments and the laws of the earth that were a contemporary to this time when the Torah was given to the nation of Israel. And it's true to this day. This, this Bible is still the most sold book in the world. It is or the published, most, yeah. most published, there you go, most published book in the world. And so when you when you take that into consideration that, that this law came directly from God, there's no wonder that that it it's so good and that it's so uh, you know, well read and, and and so many different people have their different interpretations and, and interact with it in different ways, from from Judaism to Christianity to other groups um, that interact with it as well. But I mean uh, living it, I think, would be the important piece. You know, even James says, "Oh, you show me, you know, your faith, but I'll show you my faith by my works." And and that ideology that living it is more important than just believing it, I think, is is a big piece because the living it is really the fruit of the belief. And you know, it's interesting that in March of '92, when I gave my life to the Lord and became born again in my apartment that evening, it was an incredible experience. A lot of things happened. Uh, the floodgates opened up, you know, uh, a born again experience, remember everyone, is when your spirit and God's spirit meet. It's not about going down the aisle. That's not being born again. It's it's to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, right? Uh, you shall be saved. But the bottom line was that my spirit and God's spirit met. It was an incredible time. And uh, I'll never forget that I had a, um, a Bible that my mother had given me a Ryrie King James study Bible in, in a box and the plastic was still on it. And I'll never forget Ryan. Uh, I said, Oh, thanks mom or whatever. Cause I was estranged for her for many years and stuff. And we had kind of hooked up and, and connected one time. And, uh, and it was interesting, Ryan, because the Holy spirit said, uh, go <clears throat> and take the plastic off that Bible and believe every word believe every word. I'll never forget that. It was my first experience with God and wow. his word. So when people start tearing the word apart and breaking it apart yeah. and taking books out of the Bible, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that, that bothers me because I reflect back on believe every word. And here we are in this particular uh, Torah portion. Uh, it's so important to believe every word of the Bible and to live it. Uh, as we move uh, on in chapter four, uh, of course, Israel was not uh, to commit idolatry as they enter the land. So once again, they're going to go from, uh, you know, the wilderness to a civilized uh, society, uh, villages and cities and towns and all these things and commerce. And so once again, uh, as they were coming in, he, he, they were warned not to commit idolatry. And it, it's actually in Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. I love what John Bevere said about idolatry. He, he referenced it in this way, idolatry is whatever you give your strength to, wherever you get your strength from. So that it would be idolatry, anything that you would put before God. You know, it's interesting, you know, uh, all the desires that we have and, the, and, the, and, and all of that. But, uh, you know, he, he actually goes on to say that uh, God will use heaven and earth as his two witnesses if his people did evil. 
you know, uh, God chastises those that he loves, Ryan. It's a section in the New Testament. And that actually brings pain. Uh, if you go and read it in context, the meaning means that th- there'll be a pain associated with it. And we all have learned from painful experiences uh, and reflect on that painful experience and realize, you know what, that was a painful experience. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Uh, of course, he goes on to say that God was going to scatter his people among the nations if they were evil. Now, in hindsight, can we say that that has truly happened, Ryan? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, he well, scattered us. I, I want to tell you guys one thing that um, Mike Cromwell, I was, uh, I had the pleasure of uh, not facilitating a group last night and and got to sit in Mike's group. And um, anybody that knows Mike Cromwell knows that he's just a wealth of information and that uh, he's just a big, valuable asset to the community here at Bait to Heal. And, um, you know, there's just certain people that um, that really just, when you have a question and you need a, a good answer, you know what I mean? Or at least pointed in the direction of where to find the answer, Mike's just a great resource. So I encourage anybody um, to use him uh, since we have him here, right? And so he mentioned, uh, I read to you guys Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8, and he talked about uh, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and the difference between the three concepts from a Hebraic understanding, and that that um, knowledge is that Greek idea of knowledge, the idea that uh, you can learn information, um, and, and we learn everything. Everything that we know, we've learned from somewhere. And so gaining knowledge does not necessarily make you wise. Wisdom is the evaluation of the importance, the hierarchy, right? So for an example that he gave was, um, we know that we're not supposed to break the Sabbath, but if, you're, you know, if your neighbor's donkey falls in a hole, do you help him pull the donkey out, right? That's evaluating which is more important. Is it, is it more important for me um, to rest, or is it more important to help my neighbor get this donkey out of the hole? And uh, I think nowadays we have the Holy Spirit, which makes it easier for us to, to be wise, to have wisdom. But then he gave the understanding, and the understanding is the action. When you show understanding, it's taking action upon that that knowledge and that wisdom that God has imparted on us. And so I thought that was pretty cool, the way he broke those three words down, because we see them used in Proverbs a lot. You know, get knowledge, get wisdom. You and know, all you're getting... Get understanding. Get understanding, yeah. And so, this, so yeah. it's pretty pretty, pretty cool how they Wisdom would be down. the application of knowledge, right, to some degree? Wisdom would be the evaluation, he said, evaluation, of yeah. prioritizing it, and then understanding would be the the action associated with that wisdom, right, taking action on it. Because yeah, I can see where wisdom would be a thought process that you're sorting out. Sure. So anyway, uh, think about this. So God is a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. You know, why is he jealous? Because he wants you. He desires you. He wants us to desire him. Uh, It's interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 30 and 31, uh, it says, When thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 30 and 31. Once again, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon you, even in the latter days. Uh, as we have studied the prophets in the past at our at our church, on Monday nights for... Uh, a number of years. I think it was three years that we actually went through the the major minor prophets. It took us 18 months uh, for for one cycle. Then we did it again t- two years in a row. Uh, Torah brings is, is of course brings us the teachings and instructions. The prophets bring conviction. Uh, the reason why I bring this up is because in Exodus 19, uh, God wanted a peculiar people for Himself. Segula, a precious treasure, you know, I'm one, glad you brought up one that you would uh, hold in his hand, you know, not put around his neck, not wear as a ring, but actually to hold in his hand. It was so precious. Uh, I'm only bringing this out because God would always send the prophets 
to the people because they quit hearing his voice and broke covenant. So remember that that's why God would send the prophet because the king is bad, the priesthood is bad. He would have to send a prophet because no, they no longer would listen to the voice of God or keep covenant. So listen up, everybody. In the culture in which we live and all the technology and social media, you know, God's voice is being drowned out. And with that, we break covenant. So uh, just a little reminder for all of you, we need to be hearing God's voice and we need to stay in covenant. Now, this is what this is actually saying, because it says that he is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee nor destroy thee because you came to your senses, see, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay. So with that, it's important because why does God want to do that? When we hear his voice and keep his covenant, then of course, God says, he says this, he wants his people to drive out the nations in Deuteronomy 4.38, go and drive out these nations. And of course, that's what he wanted them to do. Any thoughts on that, Ryan? Uh, no, just that I will say this. I appreciate you bringing up segula. It must be the Holy Spirit, because we're going to see the word segula later in this Torah portion. I don't know That's you know right. That. I'm glad you reminded me. Yeah. You know, I don't get to facilitate right now. I'm handing out crayons and <laughs> coloring pages and chasing my three-year-old around the sanctuary. But anyway, uh, this is interesting as well. We have the, the names of the three cities of refuge on the east side of the Jordan River was Bezer, Ramoth, and Golan. Yes, the Golan. You know, that's my favorite area of Israel is the Golan. It's right above the Galilee there. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to go into uh, the two kings that lost their land to the children of Israel were King Sion of the Amorites and King Og of Bashan, who was the last remnant of the giants. So listen up, everybody. We got a great battle going on right here on this side of the Jordan before we can actually cross into the promised land. Even in America right now, we are in a culture war. We are in a battle. Uh, it's Babylon versus Jerusalem, you know, uh, Babylon versus Jerusalem. You know, I, uh, I was uh, calling Mrs. Campbell and asking her if she wouldn't mind praying for the peace of Jerusalem for our Tish B'Av service last week. And, and uh, she was in Walmart for some time there. And, and little did I know that, that uh, she was on her way out of there. And uh, apparently there was a little bit of an incident there where a gentleman actually drove his golf cart into Walmart. So I saw that on the news. I guess the guy was sitting out front of the Walmart. And she was in there on a with golf cart. Gail, another person right. of our congregation. And, and I just wanted to ask her and remind her if she, she could do that for me for Tish B'A, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But, but here, lo and behold, I, I got off the phone and I realized that that was the Walmart she was at. And it happened while she was in there. Right. Yeah. No. It's uh. It's people are going crazy around the Wall Martians have uh, have gone crazy. But he's sitting outside talking. I guess security guards or the cops or whatever on his uh, on his golf cart. And I don't. You know the reports have been kind of mixed. Whether it's accidentally or whatever. But he pushed the gas and like just poof, took off in and knocked over some uh, display. You know stands and stuff. Nobody and got hurt. No. Nobody got hurt. That 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 is a miracle. But here in Florida, wow. man, you know, people think that the golf cart thing is kind of strange. But uh, you know, around around here in Florida, there's a lot of golf carts. People riding around, you know, going to Walmart and golf carts, especially in the retirement communities, Sun City, Ruskin. This I'm was kind of the, looking for a golf cart. I, I don't mind having a little one around, around here. here you know, this would yeah, be cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think that about that on my walk. property too. Though it's not that far to walk. So anyway, there's uh, finishing up chapter three and, and chapter four, and of course, we're going to go right into uh, Deuteronomy chapter five, verses one through twenty-one are the Ten Commandments. Just want to go over those uh, quickly with you here. They're, they're given to us here, of course, because uh, this is the Book of Remembrance. So the, the, in the Book of Exodus, the Ten Commandments were given. And uh, commandment number one is to have no other gods. Commandment number two, 
No graven images. Commandment number three, do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, honor the Sabbath. Number five, honor your father and mother. Uh, and of course, uh, commandment number six, do not kill or murder. Uh, number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And of course, last but not least, commandment number 10, do not covet. So once again, the only commandment that's here that gives you a promise is uh, honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land. You know, uh, there's this saying, you know, the, the mama would say to the child, hey, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Think about that, everyone. That's that's kind of scary. But once again, this is the only commandment with a blessing. It says that you may live long in the land. You know, honoring your, your mother and father allows you to honor others as you grow up. Uh, I would think if you disrespected your parents, you'd probably would grow up and disrespect any kind of uh, authority or leadership around you. Uh, once again, uh, these are some incredible commandments here. Of course, do not kill. Sometimes you're in the line of duty, you're in the military, but it actually should probably say do not murder. You know, cold-blooded murder, don't murder. Uh, but there are times when uh, nations have to fight other nations, and you are there. there is killing. Uh, so once again, these are some incredible commandments, you know. And I remember looking over commandment number four, honor the Sabbath. You know, I'm like, Lord, I keep nine out of ten. I'm in corporate America, you know, as I began to get my Hebrew roots and everything. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, we have to uh, adhere to his commandments statutes and judgments, his instructions. We don't, we don't modify them or change them or anything like that. Uh, he lays them out for us in, 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 a, in a great way. And uh, we know that as we look at the Ten Commandments, it's, it's part of the Torah, uh, the teachings and instructions. And so uh, if you were to keep these Ten Commandments, you would have a good life. Uh, very interesting how these commandments are even laid out, you know, uh, pretty much self-explanatory. And of course, uh, what are they trying to do but to remove all the, you know, the uh, commandments that are put out in the Capitol building? Well, or, and it's to their own demise. Know, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to read uh, verses 23 through 29 real quick, because uh, this is right after uh, he repeats the, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. And uh, it, the Ten Commandments earn it end at uh, verse 21. So I'm going to bump to 23. It says, And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he lives." Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more than we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near and hear all that the Lord God shall say and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of the words when he spoke unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever." Now, wow. to me, 
That does not sound like bondage. That does not we sound get like to. God gives us commands. We, we get to everyone. And you know what? Don't worry about everybody else. You get to, you know, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit too, Ryan, that, that, that you know, if we just break it down, you know, we, we love the, the Constitution of America and the Bill of Rights and all that. That's great. But man, the Torah rocks. It rises above all of that. Man, you keep Torah, everybody around you is going to do better. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the Constitution just the other night. So I've had this thing going on where I've had Abraham Lincoln, like, mentioned to me a whole bunch of times. And, uh, you know... Have you been finding a bunch of pennies? I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, I had a dream about Abraham Lincoln, and then, like, Netflix bumps up with Lincoln on TV. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie. It is. And then, uh, and it just all kinds of stuff. So then, like, randomly, I saw that uh, there's, uh, on Pure Flix, uh, not Netflix, on Pure Flix, there's a, a documentary on Scalia, the, the justice from the Supreme Court, who passed away a few years ago. So I watched that. So then, like, I've just got all this stuff going in my brain. Lincoln, Constitution. So I print out a copy of the Constitution, right? And I'm like, you know, I, I know what's in the Constitution because I've been taught, you know, history and this and that. But I've never read it for myself, right? It was just this moment of, like, bing, you know, I've never read it for myself. So I go, it's a beautiful document. I mean, it really is. It's it's very simple. It's not complicated whatsoever in what you right. would think. it's kind right? of vague. But I'm sitting there in bed, and Ashley has no idea, my wife. She has no idea what I'm doing, right? So I'm just sitting there reading, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like... I'm reading. She goes, what are you reading? I'm like, the Constitution. Constitution. It's just like, why? Can I can I read the Bill of Rights, honey? Yeah, you know, it's just one of those moments where I was like, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you other than uh, wow. I just have to well, read We need this to right move now. on, right? Yeah, we that do. Was, but it's just a little, was a little bunny trail. But hey, the Constitution is the Constitution, right? It was. But I, I think the point here is that God says that, that doing his commands, right? Keeping his commands and, and doing them that it might go well with you and with your children forever. I mean, who doesn't want that? And, you know, it's the fear of God that, that pushes us to this. But it's not, the, it's not... To the point of, hey, you know what? I fear God. It, but the point is not I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not right, going to commit adultery. I, I fear God. You know, I, I'm in awe of Him. See, but I, I think it's even more than just the, the fear side. Because I, I get that piece of it, and it's important. Or all. But how about, how about the... No, because I'm, I'm, I'm all for the fear part. But I think the issue that I'm trying to bring up here is that it's not that if you don't do it, you're going to be punished, right? It's that if you do it, the blessing is intrinsic. B- obedience brings the blessing. That's true. And brings you closer to your inheritance, you know. And to God. So the people did agree to do all the words contained within the Mosaic. They agreed. They said, we, we do. Well, they did. You know, and it's and, and it's binding. That that Mosaic Covenant is binding, you know. Uh, the Abrahamic Covenant is unconditional. Right. The Mosaic Covenant is conditional. The sign of the Abrahamic Covenant is circumcision. The sign of the Mosaic Covenant is the Shabbat. Yeah, baby. So here you go. You know, if God wants a people for his name's sake, think about this, everyone. That's what Paul was sent. The Apostle Paul was sent to pull out a people among the Gentiles for his name's sake. So what does that mean? That means that, that we have a, spe- a specific mandate, a, a mission to accomplish in the earth in the times in which we live. For we were born for such a time as this. We are the first generation to be born again, baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah. Come on. So think about it. CWT. So, so this, this is some really, really good stuff. Uh, once again, we're going to be moving on here. We need to remember God every day. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Uh, you want to go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, Ryan, in, in, in regards to the Shema. Uh, absolutely. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Wow. 
Now, we're also going to find this in the New Testament. In Mark, right? Yes. In Mark chapter 12, we have Yeshua. And this is really, really good. Uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 29 and 30. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You know, because they're asking him a question, you know. Um, which is the first commandment of all, you know, which is the first commandment of all. And here he is in verse 29. It's almost like his Conan uh, moment. 12. Yeah. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Think about this. Love the Lord thy God, love your neighbor, as you love yourself. You must love yourself. Some of you might have low self-esteem. You need to love yourself. Give yourself a hug. Go ahead. Give yourself a hug and say, you the man or you the woman. You the man. So that's the thing, you know. And so to hear, O Israel, the Shema means to hear and obey. Yeah, and so it, it, this is all playing out right here in the scriptures. And I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's interesting. Yeshua actually makes mention of to love the Lord thy God with all thy mind. Yeah, he adds the know? mind, yep. And, we, and, of course, the scriptures actually say, we don't have to pray for it, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, here's a great question from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Was there a time when you did not have to talk about the Word of God? Was there a time? There you want to read those verses? There was not one specifically mentioned here, but... No. I would I would gladly read these verses. Yeah, um, let's go ahead and read that. This is really, really I'm going to give you 7 through 9. This. A stimulating conversation, inspiration. Yep, it says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. All very wow. interesting. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit down. We're sitting down. When you're in your house, when you're walking by the way, and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. It doesn't say anything about when you're driving. Wow. That's why it's okay when I'm on I-4, you know, and in traffic. That's and, walking. And it's I'm, transportation. And I'm, oh, okay, fine. I got you. I'm on just that saying, one. I was like that. I can. I got you I on can, that one. Yeah, yeah. It's transportation. So you know, think about it, everyone. Isn't it just great? This is why I love my table with uh, Paul Pickern, uh, Don Roan, and, and 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 Jay. I, I love meeting with them every Friday morning at eight because we have inspirational conversations, discussions about what's happening in the world. What does the Bible say? Uh, it's quite enlightening, and other than what we're getting from our culture. So this is really cool. We're already, of course, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, it goes on to say, of course, that the word was to go on the hand between the eyes, on the post of the house, and on the gates. That's where you get your mezuzah. Uh, and a matter of fact, the, the verse in Deuteronomy is actually encased in that mezuzah. As a reminder, the word has to go on the doorpost. Um, and that is a reflection of the tefillin and the phylacteries that the Jewish people wear. Uh, and so very interesting. Um Moving on in Deuteronomy six nineteen, what did the Lord want His people to do to the enemies in the land? He wanted them to cast them out. You cast Get out. them out. Cast them out. Never before in the history of Israel that I can think of right now, other than maybe Joshua doing his his campaign there throughout the land, entering into the uh, the heartland of Israel from the Jordan River, taking Jericho and all that. But 
Never in the history of Israel have I seen where they're just surrounded by enemies. Oof. Hezbollah to the north, Hamas uh, in, in, the, in Gaza Strip, you know, to the west. You got the PLO to the right there, mixed in with Judea and Samaria. And, of course, now to the south, I guess uh, there's some ISIS activity going on or yeah. something, which is kind of strange. I'm just thinking of some big sand well, To the dune. north in Golan, and we have Syria. You've got, you there know, you go. on the border, you've got Syria, the Russians. You've got ISIS, <laughs> Iran. <laughs> I mean, you wow. name it. <laughs> so, you know, the children of Israel uh, were to keep the testimony, statutes, and judgments of the Lord. You know, if you think about a judgment, it means rendering a right decision, Ryan. Yes. You want to render a right decision. Uh, and it's very important that we do that because every situation is unique and different. Every circumstance is unique and different. But, you know, when you think about it, judgment begins with the house of God. And that sounds kind of scary, but it's really not because if you really uh, define this or, or interpret this, it simply means that the house of God should make right decisions first. Judgment begins with the house of God. So that means that we should be rendering the right decisions unto this culture and those around us, other than what the government is passing and doing. You know, they are violating the Torah. Matter of fact, even the Israeli government is secular. So once again, judgment begins with the house of God. So the church has to render a right decision and calling out sin. Sin is sin. You know, people talk about unnatural love is a sin and, and alcoholism is a sin, drunkenness. But you know what? This is one that will hit you every time. And, and this is why we're doing the Financial Peace University. It's simply dead is sin. You know, you're spending money that you don't have. Imagine that, everyone. Debt is sin. So, you know, here we are going after everybody or a certain class of sin. And, uh, you know, uh, debt is a sin. It's, it's something to think about. Uh, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to get into Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And this is titled, Totally Destroy the Canaanite Culture. All right, here it says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughters... Uh, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter thou shalt take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, and they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord thy God shall ch uh, hath chosen thee to be a special people unto him above all people that are upon the face of the earth. That's Conan. Da. All right, Conan, how many nations were in the land that Israel would have to cast out? It was seven. Seven. Seven which is completion. nations. We smite them all. You know, and, and Deuteronomy 7 too, this is really good. Uh, Israel was not to make covenant with the enemies of the land. And which is important. What do they do? They go and they make covenant. What is it? The Gibeonites? Land for peace kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get in there and but, the Gibeonites you know, come and say, hey, hey, so hey, hey comes to don't mind? mess with us, right? And uh, that little do they know that they were the next town over the hill, right? Right. And so then they get to the Gibeonites and they're like, oh, but we yeah, already see, made there a covenant. Yeah, there wasn't a council of the Lord on that yeah, one. Yeah, no. They, they got snookered. Yeah. So, you know, think about the Oslo Accords and all these other things that the, the land of Israel, the, the Israelites, the, the government of Israel is going to have to... Uh, 
you know, uh, negotiate. You know, we know that uh, when the Jews left Gaza, oh, and by the way, that was Tishbiav, the ninth of Av, when that that all went down, that 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 judgment was given. Right. Uh, in reference to leaving Gaza was the ninth of Av. But the Oslo Accords are not working out too well. Uh, I personally don't see a uh, two-state solution at all. I just don't see it because there's over half a million people scattered throughout Judea and Samaria that are not Arabs. So think about that, everyone. If you want to try to create a two-state solution, how are you going to find that state, geographically speaking? You know what's interesting? I uh, was over at somebody's business the other day, and the guy was Kurdish. And he, I guess, was born in what is technically Turkey, but you know, on what they call Kurdish land. Um, but something he's that, a Kurd. He's a Kurd. Oh boy. Well, and that's just it. So it Watch was, out. it was funny because, um, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, but, um, I've been taking these appointments for our, for our business and I've been meeting with a bunch of business owners and three of them in one week were, uh, Palestinian business owners, right? They had moved here from, from Israel, from the West bank. And, uh, it occurred to me that when I was talking to this guy from, uh, from what we used to be Kurdistan, that is now, you know, Turkey, uh, and what he was saying, he was mentioning there's 40 million Kurds. Now I don't, I haven't verified that number or anything, but it's just a large number of Kurds that are without their homeland. And we're over here and everybody's <laughs> trying to nickel and dime Israel over this little time, like a sliver of a sliver. It's the size of New Jersey? No, not even that. I mean, think about how big Judea and Samaria is. It's even smaller. You know, just that what they're calling the West Bank is even smaller than New Jersey. Now, you know, this leads us up to the, the book of Daniel, Ryan, uh, in regards to the 70 weeks that Israel uh, would have to face. And we know that 69 weeks have been fulfilled out of that prophecy of the 70 weeks. We're going to talk about that this next Shabbat. But also there's one week left. So that means seven years. And there's reference to a times, a times, a dividing of time, which would be 42 months, three and a half years. So uh, at some point, that seven-year covenant or seven year period of time, whatever it is, uh, it's literal actually left of the prophecy, uh, midway through will be broken. So, you know, there's, there's something that can happen overnight, but once again, uh, they are not to make covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Yeah, buddy. Uh, and I know even in the next Torah portion, we're going to be talking about that God, wanted those people out of his land because they were wicked. Ooh. Now think about it, right? If, if Jerusalem is the garden of Eden, and it's a, it's it's going. It's a, there's a showdown. I mean, uh, at the OK Corral here, there's getting ready to be some serious repercussions. Uh, we even know, and there's a reference that half of Jerusalem will be taken. The women ravished and different things like that. There's a battle over Jerusalem. You know, um, just some uh, just a thought. Uh, I read Ehud Barak's memoir, which was very good, based upon his viewpoint of his own life, which is great. Uh, what what an interesting man. Uh, most decorated soldier, uh, prime minister, and everything like that. I mean, he's got a, quite a, uh, um, a history. Uh, I thought the book was fascinating, a good read to understand Ehud Barak, uh, who's with, of course, the Labor Party. He just created a new party. But, but anyway, make a long story short, you know, he was talking about the negotiations with Arafat, the PLO, and everything. And uh, believe it or not, back in 2001, man, uh, the government of Israel, Ehud and his party, they were willing to give up. 90% of Judea and Samaria. I heard it was like 94. It's a lot. I'm yeah, just saying, it was, it was, it was, it was, there were some different negotiations going on. But could you imagine that if Arafat would have taken that? But this is what really gets me though, right? If Jerusalem is the Garden of Eden, he stormed out of the room because they wouldn't give him East Jerusalem. Yeah. It's like the devil wants the Garden of Eden back again. Man. He wants to inhabit there. And, and it goes on to talk about, I want to inhabit the sides of the north. Remember, it talks about, I will, I will five times. God says, hey, you're going in the pit. But the sides of the north is actually the Temple Mount. Wow. So we can see why it's such a hotbed 
that the Jews can't pray up there and all these other things. It, it's the enemy. It's the enemy. It, it's, it's ground zero is what uh, Carl Gallup makes mention of. It is ground zero. So, you know, think about it. Now, now getting back to, to Deuteronomy 7, 6, it says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth, uh, Deuteronomy 7, 6, once again. So here's a great question for all of us to, to consider as we are battling replacement theology and everything else. Why can't some people understand from the Holy Scriptures that the Jews are God's chosen people, Ryan? So two, two things. Uh, first, where it says special there, that is the word segula, the Hebrew word that there means... It is. That means what? A peculiar treasure, right? Something that you hold close. Yeah, you're not wearing it. Yeah. It's not on your hand. No, you're, no, no. It's in your hand. You're holding it close. No one can snatch you out of his hand. That's right. Amen. What a treasure. What a treasure. So, um, but as far as why is it the people that have the same Bible that, as we do can somehow find some way to, to twist the scripture and say that the Jews are not God's chosen people... Um, one of the main ways I want to say is translation bias. I think that anti-Semitism does exist inside of the church, but people don't realize it. I think if you were to say to somebody, uh, you're anti-Semitic, they would probably be like, oh, no, I'm not. I don't have any problems with Jewish people, right? But I think that they don't realize the the intrinsic pieces of translations and things like that that are... Um, that are, are anti-Semitic. And let me give you an example. I was reading a book by uh, Mark Biltz um, the other day, and he I've actually think I've heard him teach on this before, but he was referring to the word ecclesia that we translate many times as church and other times as assembly. And then the word, uh, I think it's like synagogue or synagogue in, in Greek, but it's synagogue, and it's translated to synagogue sometimes and as assembly in other places throughout the scriptures. And so you have the same word, that's translated as church, synagogue, and um, an assembly, depending on the context. And if you were to just do a cursory reading of the scripture and realize that uh, where it says church, it's really saying the same thing as assembly, and where it's saying synagogue, it's saying you know synagogue or assembly. And and just a perfect example is the scripture that says the synagogue of Satan. Those who say they're Jews but are not Jews, but are actually of the synagogue of Satan in Revelation. That verse is the word synagogue, but there's other points inside the scriptures where it uses the word synagogue and it uses it as assembly or it uses it as church rather than using it as synagogue. And so that built-in anti-Semitism because of this kind of the play on the words and the language when it really all kind of means the same thing. So that's one piece of the translation bias. Another piece is that, you know, James, the brother of Jesus, did you know that his name is Yaakov? So how is it that a guy named Yaakov ends up in the Bible, not as Jacob, uh, but ends up with the same name as the guy who commissioned the translation. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was a, a, an actual thing at the time when they were translating, but it is definitely something that happened. So even the names of the people like uh, are transliterated into English and that we have our, our Catholicized or our, our Christian ideology that we've put around these things that are really Hebrew, right? There's a Hebrew mindset behind all, all of this stuff. Um, even some of these words are translated... Uh, into Latin and then transliterated into English. So there's there's many pieces I think that we could find that people you know go from uh, reading the same Bible that we do and somehow demonizing the Jewish people, even to saying that they're Christ killers. Which I mean I've read the Bible a couple times now in my life. I've studied the the death of Yeshua a couple times now. And uh, last I checked, it was Roman soldiers that actually put him upon the cross. So. Um, 
you know, not to say that the the the, the present political you know influence during of that day from um, from the temple didn't play a major role in his crucifixion, but to say that there's other other uh, other players in this this uh, this scene, and we kind of ignore those things. And so I think it's important that we take a look at that um, that translation bias can play a big role. But then there's other pieces, just, you know, kind of cultural norms, places that people grow up, you know, uh, segregated neighborhoods, you know, things like that. Looking at, um, you know, certain people in a certain way, the jokes, you know, like the like Jews are cheap or or these things, just things that people say that they don't realize these anti-Semitic things that they say or think that what it does is it precludes them from believing the truth of the scripture that the Jewish people are God's chosen people. Very interesting. You know, there's also a, an interesting verse in the New Testament. It says many are called but few are chosen. Uh, if you look that up in the Greek, it, it actually means many are called, but few choose. You know, here at Beit like God is offering us to be the bride. And of course, uh, I personally believe for me, the scriptures that the, it's, it's, it's quite possible that there are three classes of people. There is the bride, the bridal party, and of course, the guests. Don't have time to get into all of that. So who do you want to be? If you want to be the bride, uh, you know, you better you better get busy here because she's prepared herself. She's made herself ready. Once again, we are justified by the finished work of the cross, and now we are being sanctified. And in closing, the Lord would show mercy to a thousand generations that would keep his covenant, Deuteronomy 7, 9. So any last thoughts on the, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? And I pleaded, Ryan, what two would you have? So if you're, to be learned. if you're new to Torah, uh, I want to point you to Deuteronomy 6.4. It is the Shema. Shema, uh, Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. That Adonai is replacing Yahweh. So it's Yahweh Eloheinu Yahweh Echad. Um, I think that it's important to know that this verse is basically the John 3.16 of the Torah, right? It's it's a foundational verse. If you were going to put a verse... The Shema? Right. If you were going to put a verse up everywhere for a foundational principle of our faith that at the time was groundbreaking principle, it would be the Shema. There is one God. He is the almighty God. He is the, the existent one. And... He is Echad. It's interesting because it doesn't say Yahid, right? In Hebrew, there's a distinction between these two words. Yahid meaning only or single, and Echad meaning unified. And so uh, it, it's it's the three in one, which we don't really kind of understand. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like the word Trinity um, because it's not just three distinct persons. It's like water. You have you know water, you have ice, and you have vapor. They're all three H2O. It's all God. So um, it's interesting how that works. Um, so I would just look at echad, that word, study it out for yourself. I think that point is is a big one for you to understand kind of the foundations of our faith. That how how is it that we believe that Yeshua is Messiah and God, man and God at the same time? How is it that we believe these things? And yet there's a group out there in Orthodox Jewry that believes that that is an idolatrous statement. We don't. We look at the scriptures from the Torah, and we find Yeshua right here. So that's that's point yeah, number one. Yeah, and that's good. And, and your second point. My second point. I'm getting on it, yeah. <laughs> Let me do my first one. All right, fine, go ahead. Then fine, you fine. can have two. Okay, I'll have another uh, one. I mean, mine's real simple. I, I say, hear God's voice and keep his covenant. Uh, yeah. Hear God's voice, keep his covenant. So yeah. that, that kind of stands out a lot in this particular portion, I think. And that, that would be my point. If, hear God's voice, If the mic covenant. didn't have a boom stand, you'd probably drop it now, right? Hear God's voice, keep his yeah. covenant. I agree with that. You know, that's very important. 
There's it a lot is. of voices out there, folks. It is. So you heard us talk about in Mark 12 where Yeshua speaks the Shema. Uh, they, they're asking him, what is the greatest of all commandments? Um, and he says, Shema Yisrael, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. So he says the Shema. And then he says to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And then he's, uh, and then if you look in the rest of this, these verses in Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4 and through 6, he says, And these words which I command you this day shall be on thine heart. And so it's interesting that this is the greatest of all commandments according to, to our Messiah. And the new covenant is that God is going to write his Torah on our minds and our hearts. And I just, I find that very profound that God's plan has been the same all along to give us his ways. And then just like uh, chapter five, verse 29 says, oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You know, that's great. I, I, and I would say point number two, uh, I actually put in here, engage your enemies and cast them out. You know, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. So think about those enemies that come in your life. You know, we were we read the book of Lamentations for Tishbiav this last Shabbat, and there was actually even a reference uh, to the desolation of the temple to the point of foxes being on the Temple Mount or running around. Oh, that's or right. I saw those news articles. And so anyway, it's in Lamentations, but there's been foxes. Yeah. Uh, in in the city of Jerusalem, around the land, or something. They've, no, they've, on the Temple Mount. Foxes on the Temple Mount. On the Temple Mount. So anyway, a little prophecy there or something. Check it out. Foxes in the Book of Lamentations, uh, a sign that, that the Temple will be rebuilt and the Messiah is coming. Uh, so in, in conclusion, I, I want to share once again, and I've shared it before, and I want to share it again because we just started out in Deuteronomy. This particular book is broken up into four parts. Can't stress it enough. Uh, chapters 1 through 4. Uh, the first part is remembrances of the past. So we've already done that. We've accomplished that. Uh, in chapter 4 and verse 44, all the way through chapter 26, we have commandments for the present. Commandments for the present. Chapter 4, verse 44, all the way through chapter 26, commandments for the present, part 2. Uh, part 3 is chapters 27 through 30, options affecting the future. I love it. There's a little reference in there. I do believe it's in Deuteronomy 29. Moses says, hey, I'm speaking to those that are here and those that are not here. So we weren't there 3,500 years ago. Last but not least, part four, parting words of Moses, chapters 31 through 34. Once again, this is a book of Deuteronomy. It's a book of remembrance. And the five key words found in this book that you need to know, remember, obey, blessing, curse, and covenant. You know, uh, one of my prayers that I've always prayed and I keep praying all the time, I said, Lord, I want to be holy because you're holy. Lord, I want to keep your commandments because you gave me your commandments. You know, I know we fall short. Maybe we don't feel like we, 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 we measure up. But remember, I always say fail forward. Uh, God takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. So just pray those things. Say, Lord, you are holy. I want to be holy. Lord, you gave me your commandments to, to keep and to follow. I want to keep your commandments, you know. And I know we fall short and things happen, you know. It's kind of like anything. You know, my wife and I, we went to this wedding, you know, and there was hors d'oeuvres. And, and we make a decision every day what we're going to do, you know. And some of the hors d'oeuvres, of course, had bacon wrapped around it. And then they had these little spinach triangles. So which one do you think I ate, Ryan? The bacon wrapped hors d'oeuvres. Ryan, you know I ate the spinach <laughs> triangles. But what I'm trying to tell all of you is that when no one's around and there's a party and it does it really matter. See, you've made a conscious decision 
I'm going to eat clean meats. I know that that's bacon, and I'm going to have the spinach triangle. So I just, just want to encourage all of you out there that when you make up your mind, you know, I mean, if you want to eat unclean, then go for it. You eat unclean. But if you make up your mind that you want to be clean and God said what to eat, what not to eat, then display that in your personal life. When no one's around, no one even knows, and just do that. And so be encouraged uh, in that regard. Like I said, um, just something to think about. Uh, be encouraged. We are, of course, moving towards the season of Teshuvah and everything at the end of the month. We're getting ready. We're putting together our spiritual journal for, for, for Teshuvah. And this is a great time for us to return and repent and just get our house in order. Hallelujah. That's a great story. I, I appreciate knowing those little 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 tidbits about you. Oh, one more thing. Ooh. I, I didn't want to miss this. You mentioned the Shema, uh, and it's been documented, it's public records, that when the Jews were going in the gas chambers and they knew they were gonna die, that was their prayer. Huh. You know, they they would they would actually pray the Shema. Wow. That was that's their prayer. If a Jew had to go to any prayer, they would go to the Shema, and that's been documented well throughout uh, history uh, during the Holocaust. That uh, as they were being slaughtered and different things and even shot, they would they would pray the Shema. Wow, awesome. Well, well, we didn't end on a high note there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's uh, that's a very sobering thought, you know, to turn to God in, in those. If you had to pick a prayer. What would it be? Those horrible moments. I would say the Shema is a pretty good one, um, or the or the Lord's Prayer. You know, one of the or both, you know, if you're going to go for it, go big, you know? Um, all right, guys. Wow. What a, what a great tour portion. This, uh, this is, I mean, you want to talk about the meat of Torah. I know that pastor Nick would say that that would be Leviticus, but I'm going to say that this tour portion, <laughs> he's giving me looks is, uh, is, is, is really a, a foundational one. And so I'm, I, I just thank you guys for listening, for, for walking this road with us week in and week out, as you guys listen to, to this, uh, this podcast, um, we are, we're just absolutely thrilled with the results we've gotten from it, and we're just so thankful for you guys uh, week in and week out, like I said. And so just keep listening, keep keep reviewing, keep sharing it with your friends. Um, you know, the word will go forth, um, and, uh, and eventually we'll be able to do some podcasts from, uh, from the land, I hope. So um, if you guys need anything, uh, you can email me, or if you, I say if you need anything, I want to hear from you. So just email me at ryan at topraise.net. Even if just to say, hey, I'm here, I listen, we listen this long, you know, all that kind of stuff. We'd like to hear from you guys. Um, and then also, uh, if you want to live stream our services, you go to twopraise.net uh, or any of our social media platforms. You can also give online at twopraise.net. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll go with, uh, if there's a memo section at the bottom, make sure you put podcast listener or, or something like that on there so that we know that it came from the podcast. Uh, we love you guys. God bless you. Have a great week.